Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz right here on TuneIn, Player FM, Google Cast, Apple Podcasts, and on the largest platform on iHeart, as well as right here on Talk, uh, Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez here, uh, Great Iron Blitz 286. We have a loaded two hours today, and we have the pleasure of talking to um, Coach Chanel Soho Tillman Brooks, who's going to be coming in here to kind of give us an overview of the what's happening with her, with the AFE as well as the Playing with Rage documentary that was kind of reintroduced to everybody. Plus, we're going to have filmmaker Sean uh, Panfallen as well with us today. And later, in about 45 minutes or so, we're going to have Bryant uh, Sewall of the WNFC, the CEO. And we're going to be talking off-season news and notes, as well as what's happening with the WNFC as we get into 2020 for that. Uh, as well, LFL, uh, LFL insider Nate Ward in about uh, an hour and 20 minutes or so. And we're going to be talking all things LFL playoffs, as well as the new format uh, where you get players that can go to playoff teams, average two players from every team that could be assigned to a roster. So that makes it very interesting. We're also going to talk week 15 and then kind of preview week 16. Um, We are going to talk women's great iron news in about an hour or so. And that's going to be all the events that are happening in August, a lot of events and as well as what's coming up in September and, and beyond as well. So today we're going to have our QB, Hall of Fame QB, uh, Luis Bean in the house. We won't have Mackenzie Brooks or Holly Custis or Troy Wilson, uh, so they'll be on probably in a later date. But we're going to be talking pretty much NFL preseason to kick it off, um, what's going on for week uh, one and what happened in week one, which nobody really cares about preseason at this point. But if you're pinpointing, some of the things that obviously make a difference for your team, obviously you're caring because you want to know what's going to happen in about four weeks in terms of where they're at in, in terms of the roster itself. Uh, and then we'll dive into um, a little bit of, you know, uh, other things that are happening uh, in the NFL and the offseason news and notes. Uh, so we'll, let's bring in the uh, Hall of Famer here, uh, Luis Bean in the house here. Hi, Luis. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? It's a good time good, of year. Good, good. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. All right. Um, Luis, a, a lot of stuff happening in this month of August, uh, not not necessarily in the women's game, but also in the NFL. So as we get into the winter and fall here, a lot of things are brewing. we got NFL. we got all these events happening in the women's game. Plus, we also have Gridiron Australia uh, women's season coming up here in about uh, three weeks or so. And we're going to be talking Gridiron Queensland, Gridiron New South Wales, Gridiron West, at Gridiron. And then after that, we're going to be ready for a gridiron um, Victoria as well. So a lot of stuff brewing as we get closer to Christmas. Oh, for sure. I mean, August is the best month for football that's not women's related because everyone in the college ranks is 0-0. and And, you know, I'm excited about my team and the upcoming season, which is uh, BYU. But uh, in college football, I like even better than the NFL just because of the I don't know, just the, just the excitement and just college campuses and just all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, everyone's zero and zero in NFL too. So 
that's always pretty fun and and uh just the hype and just just there's nothing like getting ready for football season i think out of all the sports all right uh luis i know you're not complaining about your helmet but antonio brown apparently complains about his helmet he complained about his helmet the league is saying hey we got to upgrade these helmets every 10 years to ensure that you're obviously safe and we get the best quality cared helmet for your safety um i don't know if he just you know overblown at this point or just too passionate about it or he just thinks he's much of a drama queen now because literally a lot of people are like this guy's coming up with every excuse in the book not to just go to work and do your job yeah it does seem that way i mean his personality is just that way and it's almost like if anyone tells him no or to actually gives him structure or rules he's like he box at it i don't know I mean, it made me think about my helmet, and I really like my helmet. It's seven years old, and I think, gosh, you know, there's so much more, many more cooler helmets I have. The helmet that I have that's seven years old, I have a newer one, a Zenith, which is awesome, but I'd have to paint it, and so I just hadn't done it yet. And so, gosh, someone like him where they, they can get any helmet they want, I, that's why I think it's just kind of a, it's just him being a, Prima Donna, because and I know people I think he just overblown. Their clothes. Yeah, yeah, I know, maybe but that's you know it. what I mean. It, it's like just, I, I mean, you're a multi-millionaire, and you're complaining yeah. about a helmet that a team's gonna give you. I mean, come on, bro. That's ten years old. <laughs> so I know, but you know what I'm saying? It's like you can't go the other way. You're, at first, you're saying, "Hey, the player association is wanting the best thing for me." The NFL has decided that, "Hey, we got to renew the a helmet every ten years to ensure that you know." the player safety is as well as the league is covered to make sure that we're on par. And all of a sudden you got players yeah. that well, I wouldn't say players. I would just say him as a player, just kind of going back on, Oh, by the way, no, I, I want, I really want my old helmet instead. Come on, bro. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh my God. It just seems weird. It just seems like prima donna kind of stuff. I don't, I, 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 mean, who's, I you know what? I've never heard anyone complain I, about a helmet. I feel bad for the Raiders who uh, even Troy said, Troy said, hey, this guy's going to become a headache. <laughs> Here we are mm-hmm. preseason. <laughs> We've got a headache. Imagine when they don't throw yeah. the ball to him. Imagine when the quarterback's not – the play calling is not to his favoring. What are we going to do with that week to week? I mean, I just, this is kind of like he's TMZ, and he's literally have, has literally already walked away from football. I mean, in, re- in reality, if you look at it. I think he just wants to – well, sometimes – I just think maybe he wants attention, and you have to figure out ways to get attention, and that's what he does. So, oh, all right, uh, Luis, um, we got the Hall, uh, women's second annual Hall of Fame in Vegas coming up. It's going to be uh, December fifth through the seventh, and that will be uh, in uh, Las Vegas. We got upcoming details, of course, for um, all the stuff that's going to happen, right? The uh, hotel venues and stadium and all that stuff. So there's some things that have been finalized and other things are still being worked on. Um, but last year's event was really amazing because it was kind of put together and brought a lot of uh, veteran players, longtime tenured players, uh, first-year to, th- to five-year players that obviously were recognized as well. Unfortunately, I wasn't, I wasn't able to go uh, to be there um, to receive my award as well. But overall, uh, year two is coming up here in terms of what's going to happen in coming December. So kind of an, an exciting time here for, uh, you know, the second, I would say, you know, the second uh, 
batch of individuals that are going to be recognized in the sport. Um, it's kind of a cool thing to do. It's very hard to do as well because, you know, nominating like they do in the NFL, they got like a lot of, you know, writers and press and historians and all these other people that contribute to like who gets in, who doesn't get in and who's in the modern era, who's the owner and all that stuff. And unfortunately we don't have that. So there's a little bit more laboring to do in terms of, you know, trying to recognize an individual for their worth uh, because we don't have film or because we don't have mass press that covers them and things like that. I'm, I'm always interested in, my point is always interested in, you got a lot of people that have played in the sport that can literally probably out of a hat pull out three, seven, eight people, up to 10 people from an individual team based on their uh, history of, uh, of existence that you can pretty much just name some players that obviously a contributed MVP players or uh, players that obviously impacted the uh, organization to sustain its, you know, tradition or to keep the uh, uh, opportunity for women to play the sport. In other words. Yeah, I definitely think um, the NFL allows anybody, even if uh, the last I read, even a fan to nominate. So boy, I would really be curious how many they get every year nominations submitted um and the other big difference is for women is that everyone's doing it basically across the board whatever they do whatever they give to the sport they're doing for free and so that's just a whole other level of why do you do this and so and and what are you gaining from it and because none of us do anything unless we get something some sort of kickback some sort of fun from it some sort of feel-good feeling and so you know that's a whole other whole other aspect that's different from the NFL. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I know that the West uh, received their – the West roster received their invite letters just in the last couple days. And so I'm on that. I I was excited to be able to play in that game. And now I can see because we have a West team page, and so you can see everyone else that's on that. Uh, team or that's been invited to be on the page and then you have a couple weeks to pay your you know your down payment um there's only two payments so you get uh the total is $235 to play in the game and that gets you a uniform and and that kind of thing so it's fun to see the gals that have been invited uh, a lot of great talent I've probably either played or Actually, I've probably played with three-fourths of them in some game. But it's really fun to get excited about playing with, uh, you know, some of the same people again because you would never play with them, especially when they're in other leagues. It's just fun that way, which is the same way as AFE. I mean, you get to play with people in different leagues with that as well. So I just think it's exciting. There's a lot of opportunities for women. And someone had messaged me and said, well, hey, you know, the AFE is the same weekend as Vegas. And I said, Hey man, the Vegas thing's been the same weekend for the last three years, so you know I can't I can't control what other people or other organizations are doing, but it doesn't bother me. I'm just like, hey, happened to be the same weekend. People get to choose what they want to do. Um, Vegas is a little more cheaper than going to Cancun. Um, I'm happy going to Vegas. I've been to Cancun, so yeah, I just think it's awesome. There's a lot of women that play football, so there's a lot of there's well, opportunities the, the with the WFA thing. The coincidence there was, I think the other, uh, the AFE original tournament was canceled, so that's right. where the alternative was Cancun. Totally, 
totally, totally. So um, I know that there's some girls that applied for both, and so now they're trying to decide what to do. Um, but but someone I had a couple people message me and say, well, hey, you know, maybe the Hall of Fame can change their dates or something like that. And I said, hey, it's been the same dates. So, or or they felt like maybe people would be upset or offended or something like that. Like people for the Hall of Fame, they don't care. They don't care. They had 238 applicants for that event. And about, if I remember correctly, about 30 of them were for coaches. No, 35 were for coaches or admin or announcers, you know, game announcers. And so, hey, Vegas is a great spot. And last year's game was one of the best football games I've ever been a part of, just talent-wise. I have never played against a D-line from the east that was that big and that tall in my life <laughs> and had never played and, and not since i mean that was just they got some big girls out there on the east so great experience you know i mean you can't complain it's just football and I, I, like if people were wishing to i think people want to do maybe both events and if they're on the same weekend you have to choose and it's just how it worked out and then the wfa and their team that they're going to toronto i just think wow cool like seriously, the leagues don't the leagues don't have to be the ones that say girls can play football or not anymore. It's it's other organizations and other other people that are giving the opportunities to women to play football, the, and it just ups their game. The opportunity is a lot more exciting when you make it more of a vacation mode, if you want to yeah. call it that, versus a regular mm-hmm. season mode, because you get mm-hmm. to kind of like. Uh, you know, with AFE, you get to do a lot of things off the field with charities and stuff like that mm-hmm. you would never get to do and in, in a regular season mode, in other words. You also right. get to learn, you know, new skill sets and things from coaches and stuff. If you go to the Hall of Fame game, mm-hmm. for example, you're really just – it's kind of a unity mentality and kind of honoring some of the pioneers and those individuals that obviously have contributed to, you know, uh, the existence of the sport or have contributed to the elevation of the sport or the attention and awareness of the sport. So there's like different levels of where you're, you're bringing or you're honoring certain people for certain contributions, in other words, which makes it a little uh, unique than a regular all-star yep. event where you're, you know, you're competing with other uh, individuals. Yeah, in both events you practice the same amount because I've done them both. So you still practice the same amount of hours. Um, you know, they're set up slightly different like you mentioned. Uh, I think the the Vegas one is uh, working towards a little bit having even more of a bowl experience. Um, the teams did separate things before. I think they're trying to work on having the teams do things more but more together. Um, but you know you only have so much time uh, to 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 get you know the to spend when you're practicing and then you know people go to Vegas. I remember uh, last year some of the honorees from last year. They, they, if they're coming from the east, they've never been to Vegas, some of them, or they've never been to the Grand Canyon, for example. And so they wanted to, they wanted to go to the Grand Canyon, and they, they didn't know if they were going to be honored during the Hall of Fame, during the All Star Game. And I said, Hey, girl, you need to go to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> you need to do that because you're not getting to Vegas very often. And so, gosh, you know, and and people, when I went to Cancun, I'd never been to Cancun, so that was really cool. So, like I said, it's just great opportunities to just do fun things and and you're using football as your medium where you're all getting together so can't complain there's some good stuff going on out there so all right guys um if you guys don't know what's going on need to know what's going on 
and really want to be aware of what's going on, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash ground. So it's like the place to be. We have the best network on the planet. And I'm very proud to say that we have the best network on the planet covering women's American football this, uh, this week. What do we have, Luis? We got the Euro championships all week starting yeah. yesterday. We're going to go to uh, the 17th. What an amazing performance by Finland, 50 to zero versus Austria, which was kind of expected in a way. Austria is a new team in the tournament and everything else. And then we had the dog fight, nine to six dog fight between uh, uh, Great Britain and Sweden, Sweden with the upset, uh, you know, because the, uh, the Lions were basically second tier to Finland coming into from the 2015 tournament. So big upset there. And now we have uh, on Wednesday, uh, we have the second round of the tournament, and we are going to be all over it because we are the best network on the planet. Double coverage will have you covered. We also have on-site productions on YouTube. We have IFAB Media covering you and ourselves just on top of everything. So if you are experiencing the best in the women's game, you come to the hub because that's where it's at. And that's what we have. We have the best network on the planet globally that covers us week to week. We are number one. Uh, we have like almost 7,200 uh, followers. Now we are reaching literally 3.6 every week. We are almost at 4,000 individuals in terms of awareness every week. We have people that are coming to our page roughly about 3.5 every week coming to the page just to check out what's going on in the women's game. So we are very proud of that. And so if you don't know what's going on, want to know what's going on, you got to go to the hub at facebook.com. So cool stuff over at the, um, at the hub, since we're talking right now, um, Luis, a lot of stuff. Uh, there's an article, pretty interesting article, the, uh, the Kentucky State High School girls, uh, pretty much are being allowed to play on boys' teams in certain uh, high schools, which is pretty impressive and kind of an inroad there. We got um, the Mexican Women's Tournament, Open Tournament, will start on the 15th this week. That's another huge event. 23 uh, representatives in the, the whole country of Mexico. You're going to have four groups. This is a huge tournament. It's a buildup to 2021 where the Mexican national team wants to compete for gold. They won bronze. This is like uh, what you call hungry mode, uh, Luis. This is like everybody is going to convene to Nuevo Leon in Monterey. And this is going to be the huge oh, tournament. Yeah. Every organization is – everybody is convened there. And this is where it is kind of like a combine mentality and a scouting mentality for the next uh, representatives or the, the next players that are going to be on the roster for 2021, which is huge. Yeah, so how many are convening as far as teams and stuff? Do you know? There's 23, te- 23 teams with uh, roughly four groups, but it's, they're made up of about maybe seven leagues to ten leagues. So to oh, every wow. region, okay. every region in the country, every region, including Lexpo, which is the main, uh, the, the higher leagues, LaFi is the higher league, and then obviously FX Mexico, which – uh, Lexpo and FX Mexico supplied the last roster. So kind of an equivalent of the WFA and the WNFC combining and putting up Team USA as an example. So they've already put mm-hmm. that. Now everybody everybody else from the smaller regions and everything else have uh, basically united and created their own uh, state team. So all those teams, there's 23 of them, all are going to convene to uh, in Monterey, and they're going to basically just be competing. 
And so the uh, Federation organization, the Mexican Federation, basically is using this as a combine slash tryout kind of to see what kind of talent's out there. Well, that because Mexico is not a small country. And so to nope. garner and gather that many teams, and that's 11 on 11. And I know lingerie is pretty big down there. So, yeah, Mexico is getting, man, they're getting going crazy down there. I think they're just hungry for to make a mark on the world stage, which is yeah. nice if they want to do yeah. it, right? We said you got to take down USA, so you got to build up to it, right? And they're not the yeah. biggest. When I... And we talked we talked to uh, Michelle, remember, uh, 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 Rubio yep. from FX Mexico. They're not the biggest, but uh, to the point, you know, uh, in terms of uh, whoever was in Vancouver said they are fast. So they have a, a, an alternative, right? Smaller, faster, mm-hmm. and that's their mentality. So we'll see how that works out. Um, the Also, you get the replay from Sweden versus Great Britain, 9-6. You get the replay from Finland, uh, the routing of 50-0 to zero on Austria, and you can go to the hub at facebook.com for slash Gridiron Beauties. So let's go into the huddle and sponsored by Zazzle.com. Zazzle has been our sponsor for almost over six years. Go there, buy leggings, bras, T-shirts, whatever you want to get there. If you don't like anything on our shop, not a big deal. Just go to our shop, and you can link over it and get some uh, Disney or Marvel, whatever else you want at Zazzle.com. We really appreciate Zazzle supporting us for six years. Without them, we would not be on this platform. We would not be on the podcast and we would not be bringing awareness to the women's game. So if you're inclined, go get the original throwback shirt, the silver and black no-joke football shirt, and kind of support it because that's your game. You play it, and it's no joke. So go ahead and go get that shirt. Um, so let's bring in to the no-joke football huddle. We are going to bring in a uh, legendary coach, and uh, you probably know her, uh, Luis, legendary coach, and that's going to be obviously Chanel uh, Soho Tillman Brooks. And she has played a long time in the sport. And we're going to be bringing in also with her a uh, filmmaker, uh, one of the kind of historic uh, films playing with Rage back in 2006 is a documentary. And that's going to be Sean uh, Fanfelon. So let's go ahead and bring both, both of them into the huddle here. And guys, uh, welcome to the uh, Blitz. You're here with uh, Luis Bean, Oscar Lopez, and uh, Coach uh, Chanel. Uh, happy to talk to you in honor as well. Uh, Heard a lot of stuff, read a lot of stuff, so uh, very excited to have you on. Thanks, Oscar. How are we doing today, Sean? Doing great, doing great. I'm actually uh, interested to see how you're going to draw more than a couple words out of my uh, one of my dearest <laughs> friends on the planet. I was talking about it, so I was told that you're going to. I was told you're going to be the translator. So that's what I was told. <laughs> well, she, she decided to put out some uh, some information like that. Uh, you can't do that. I, I don't think you. I don't think you knew, but you're gonna be the you're gonna be the press guy on the mic, just kind of looking over and kind of reading her mind and kind of conveying it to us. Um, Sean, let's talk to you first yeah. before we talk to the coach, because obviously you said the coach can't doesn't want to devolve information here. Um, when you when you when you watch the film, Sean. Um, it's kind of old school, right? Because nowadays we're like, okay, we're into YouTube and everything else. But back in 2006, this was kind of like an eye-opening type of film where it kind of gives you an idea of the struggles, number one, and number two, the the amount of passion that these women have for the sport in general. Uh, Here we are in 2019. We have some similar intangibles. We have made some inroads. But that film kind of just 
expresses the you know the struggles that are happening in sport and how we needed to kind of like advance and get to another level. Yeah, I mean, I, thank you. I mean, I um, I would agree with that, and I, I think it's sort of uh, I think playing with rage is kind of timeless, and I I, I realized that uh, a few weeks ago when we had the the screening in um, in Virginia Beach, uh, um, you know, and there were people who had never seen it before had the same reaction uh, to the people who who had lived it. And granted, we were in a, a room of a few hundred football players, female football players. But a lot of the struggles and a lot of the obstacles that, that the women that I depicted from 2000 and 2002 and Soho for years beyond that, um, they remain the same. You know, the obstacles remain the same. I mean, even though there's a lot of, a lot more teams and opportunity now, and it's, it's more apparent for the people who choose to play and want to find it, it's not too hard to find. It's still not necessarily very much on the radar of the American public. Uh, Sean, in your eyes, because of social media, do you think that's garnered more attention? Because if we didn't have social media, we probably would have the same struggles as your film would portray, right? Because it was more regional-based, more local-based. It really wasn't getting any really national attention. And now it's like with social media, you're able to get not just you know national attention. It's, in some instances, people are kind of aware internationally what certain teams or certain players or and certain leagues in the, in, in, on a global scale uh, are obviously at a higher scale of with the sport, in other words. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I, I think that, um, that I guess uh, Soho and uh, some of the other players, they released the, the trailer from Playing With Rage not too long after we had the um, the screening a few weeks ago, and it, it got like about 7,000 or close to 7,000 hits like mm-hmm. very, very very rapidly, and I think I think, I think you're right. I mean, the, the ability to share information is certainly an advantage to uh, to, to people who want to play this sport, and also getting uh, recognition for it for sure. And I mean, one of the players in playing with rage uh, was a player from Japan. Her name is Toki, and you know she had to. I mean, her journey to get the opportunity uh, was 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 unbelievable. Was incredible. Um, I think it'd be a lot easier at this point today. At least they have the opportunity to try out, to find out where, where um, you know, where the action is, and also to gather uh, support in pursuit of the effort. I think it's a, it's a much different time now, uh, as far as the acceptance of of women doing things that are um, that are that are of this nature. Sean, um, you're an emotional filmmaker. I've kind of watched a couple of your other trailers, uh, things like that this week, to kind of like research what you're all about. But you bring out a lot of emotion, and I think it really affects everybody in general with your filmmaking because it, it kind of hits home with whatever uh, documentary you're hitting. You really want to hit, and you want to hit that, that, you know, that situation where you really want to make somebody understand uh, the impact, in other words, you know, of some of the ramifications, whether it be in a sport or whether it be in a day-to-day environment or some sort of uh, political situation. Um, so I, I applaud you for that because it kind of really, you're focusing uh, not on the necessarily issue on it, but you're also focusing on the emotions. For sure. I mean, I, I think that uh, I mean, with playing with rage, you know, I, I ended up coming back for, for three seasons for something that I had originally started to do that was just going to be um, nine days. And mm-hmm. it's because I just, I fell in love, I fell in love with the team, you know, and 
what they represented and uh, the fact that they're willing to do it for free and, you know, at great personal sacrifice and expense. And to me, I felt like uh, with that team, I felt like uh, when I was a kid, I read Roger Kahn's uh, book, The Boys of Summer. And there was a, a closeness and a proximity you could have as a journalist back then that in the modern era, it's very rare to be able to do that. I mean, I've been able to do that on a few occasions. Um, I did Run Ricky Run with Ricky Williams, and I was able to make a really intimate portrait. I'm shooting a, a documentary with Michael Bennett right now for the last five years, and now he's playing with the Patriots. But to do that, you have to commit over a long period of time, and you have to um, engender trust from your uh, from your subjects. And I think that when you do that and you get close up there, it just, it feels different than someone who just showed up that day. And I mean, one of the hardest things for me in my life I've ever had to shoot was when Soho broke her forearm. Cause like I said, that's my dog. That's like one of my, you know, it's like best friend, right. You know, and, and you're looking at her mm-hmm. and her, her, her forearm's broken and I'm trying to maintain a, a professionalism, Right. But at the same time, you know that's my friend, and I and I care. So there's there's a there's a an intimacy to that type of storytelling that is um that's not common. And you know my hope is that we can actually get that film out. Uh, I've been reinvigorated by um, by what we experienced a few weeks ago, and I think a lot of people would would benefit from seeing it just because I think I think certain aspects of sports are timeless, and I think certain things transcend gender and everything else. And the team I I covered. The rage. I didn't look at them as as, uh, as as just as women or women football players. I looked at them as people who were willing to make uncommon sacrifices to do something that was unique. And I think we can all, you know, appreciate and admire that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I'm saying it's kind of an emotional. It draws you in emotionally, and that's great. Um, let's get the coach here to kind of speak a couple of words for us, if we can get her on here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> coach Chanel. Um, it's 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 been a ride, right? I mean, you're one of the long tenured pioneers. You've seen it all. You started with the Rage. You see it now. Um, you you're part of AFE as well with charitable stuff and working the organization in the last couple of years here. Hall of Fame with AFE. Congratulations to you. Um, Thank you. There's a, there's a lot of things that have happened, right? And in your in your uh, uh, scope of generations, uh, you've seen it at a, yeah. you know at the beginning of it. Now we have, you know, last year, we are all excited. I mean, I've only been covering this sport for 10 years, but we're all excited, right? We get WNFC TV, which is like Red Zone NFL. And then we get, you know, by the way, live stream stuff. Now we get, uh, you know, Riddell and Adidas to support a league with the equipment and gear. Um, so it's kind of like there's little things that have happened over time. But, I mean, to, for you, you started with, um, I think the Outlaws, if I'm correct, the Rage and then Outlaws, and then no. the uh, yeah. Yellow Jackets as well, right? And the Houston Energy, yeah. And the Energy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I've seen just about everything. You know, some things have changed and some things have re- remained the same, but, you know, that's that's normal. Um, the pace of the game has, has definitely changed, you know, um, can't really say anything bad about it. Everything's good. And as long as these women are getting the opportunity to play, it's a good day. 
So, Chanel, uh, you're Texas bred. Texas is king. Football, in other words. Um, there's probably a lot more women playing football in Texas than any other state in the union. Um, the passion <laughs> is there. The love for the sport is there, right? Whether it be 8-on-8, eight 11-on-11. Eight, 11 11. Uh, I mean, there's like probably, what, five different leagues in there. Um, the attention span, in other words, for the sport has grown, and it looks like Texas is kind of like this blown-up uh, passion for women's football in general, just football. Yeah, in general, just football. Yeah, but you know, it's a big ass state, man. So uh, you're gonna have a lot of lot of interest as far as the women go. You're not gonna run out of women, uh, most definitely. So yeah, you're you're right. Texas is the spot to be. You know, for for teams as far as how many are here and how many women want to play and and things like that. The opportunities are here as well. Coach Chanel, um, you were honored with the Hall of Fame. Uh, recognition by AFE, um, you know what is what does that you know what does it mean to you? And this uh, this organization is kind of young, but at the same time, uh, they've put you up in center and value everything you've contributed to the sport. Well, it, it was uh, an awesome you know uh, experience. You know, I I felt good about it, but yet I I was uncomfortable with it because um, things like that aren't why I remained in the game. You know, I appreciate everything that they've done for me and, and what they're trying to do for me. Uh, but at the end of the day, my main focus is on the players. And uh, Sean's a, a pusher. He will always try and push me out front and things, and I'm a puller. Whereas, you know, I, as far as these women go, whatever I do, I will pull them along and, and things like that. You know, so I've never been comfortable with taking compliments and things like that or having my face put on things. I always, you know, put that off on the players because – uh, right now, I, I have the best seat in the house, which is the sidelines. I get to watch them do what they, they enjoy, what they love, you know, so I will continue to push them out front. Yeah, I, He doesn't like that, but that's just the way that I am. So anything that comes my way that's positive, I will always, you know, relate that to, to the players and what they do and, and what they'll continue to do once I'm gone. Uh, Coach Chanel, um, do you see yourself okay. as a, a pioneer? Hold up, Oscar. Go ahead. You can call me. So, you can call me Soho. Only you know the government and my mom. Oh, so, okay. Now. <laughs> oh no problem. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to be okay. formal, so no worries. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, Soho. Uh, do you see yourself as a pioneer in terms of what you've seen so far? If we can, can we consider yourself a pioneer at this point? Mm, I, I'm gonna have to say no. <laughs> Only no? because, you know, I've only been around since, you know, I've been around just about 21 years, but there there are women that came way before me, and one of them is, is Nikki Collette, and I will always give her and those like her the credit that they haven't been given because, you know, they succeeded in what they were doing back then, and, you know, and it came back around. So as far as being a pioneer, that's, that's, that's a tough tag, man. I don't think I would be comfortable with that either. I'm just one of the – the other ones that try and push it along and keep it here for the ones that are coming after us and make the game better, you know, for them than what it was for us. All right. Um, let's bring in Louise Bean to kind of poke your brain here. So, Louise, go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm going back to the movie guy first. So <laughs> I was curious, um, was there any one instant or moment, and what was it, that made you – I mean, you talked about in general the coolness of the of the players and what was going on at the time and, and you know, those kind of things. But was there any one moment or 
situation that made you say, oh, yeah, I got to do this? Um, yeah, well, I mean, the, the, just the idea itself, when I first heard about it in 1999, uh, I, I, I saw something about there were two barnstorming teams in Minnesota, and right. I pitched, at the time I was working for Fox, and I pitched an idea of me going out and doing um, like an interactive, I was working for Fox Sports Net, and doing like an interactive sort of George Plimpton style piece where I'd, I'd suit up and, and practice and play. And so the next year I saw that, you know, Texas was part of the equation. There was a, there was a league of teams. So I chose Texas for all the reasons, um, the ancillary reasons, the, 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 the cultural reasons, the, you know, the gender reasons, the, the, the things that transcend sport and that, that also were like hindrances to them, but they kept them out of it. So I chose Texas for that reason, but I was just going to go for like a week. And the thing that really transformed it and changed it for me was, I mean, when we showed up, they had never won a game. And the first night we showed up, uh, you know, well, earlier in the week we showed up, we showed up practice, but the first the first game they won. And just that's all it took, you know. It wasn't like all of a sudden we're talking, oh, yeah, they're going to win a championship now because they were 1-5 and five at the time. And then they, you know, we went the next week and they won again. So it, <laughs> our arrival coincided with them starting to really enjoy it on a different level. So you get to see that transformation in real time and it happened in very quick, you know, very short order. So it felt like at that point that we were part of the energy of the experience. So, and that, and that became infectious. So we just, you know, I decided, you know, uh, I'd gone out there with a friend of mine to do it. And then I decided the next year I I was going to go back. I was going to go back and do it myself. And, um, and I, and I just chose to because I couldn't, I couldn't help it. And then by the third year, I had my own jersey. You know, I was, like, really part of the fabric of the team. And uh, I wasn't – and by that time, I'm sticking around because I want us to win a championship. I mean, I'm like I'm, – I'm saying we, you know, my language has changed about it. And I wasn't trying to pretend that I was objective or anything like that. It was, that was one of the beautiful things about the experience because – you know, when I was working for ESPN or Fox or HBO or any of these other places, you know, you have to maintain this idea of your of your being objective. And with sports, that's almost that's almost impossible. You know, it, it's like I, I really laugh at people when they're in the press box and they're acting like they're not actually rooting for something to happen. You know, generally that's not true. Either you're rooting for a story, you're rooting for a team, or you're rooting against somebody because you're being petty about it. You know, but that's but to, to deny rooting interest is. Uh, is to me seemed like farcical. So I was all in with the team, but also I, I was free to, 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 to feel that. And I mean, I was taking 20, 25 hour bus rides with the team and it just, it just felt like I became part of the fabric and uh, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to stop until they either won or they folded. And after three years they folded. Okay. So give me the timeline then that's, a, you know, that's a great backdrop and story i was aware of the minnesota or the brainstorming tour that happened in minnesota and i'd heard the backstory on that so that's a whole long time ago um yeah so it's not been released in full full production yet correct that we just have the trailer and what do you see happening like what do you think the timeline is what do you think the future is having to do with this i'm not 100 percent sure but i'm definitely like you know uh looking to talk more with soho about it and you know, and entertain other ideas. 
I've got a an idea for like a scripted series based on the characters from that team and some of the circumstances and the challenges that they're facing, you know, um, but I definitely want to get this out, whether it be, you know, I mean, I'm going to give it to my agent and have him take a look at it. But if we can't sell it to somebody like we'll, we'll release it for free. You know, I definitely want people to see this movie and, you know, when I when we had the the screening a few weeks ago, you know, it was a real pain spot for me. I kind of like I felt like I kind of let a lot of the team down by by people not um, not having a chance to see this, and it really upset me. I felt like I let everybody down. When then I watched it again, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, <laughs> I did my job. They did their job. It was the people that I tried to to, to get interested in airing the movie that that didn't do their job. You know, and, you know, that, that, that is, 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 you know, um, having a commitment to a certain level of quality, taking a chance every once in a while. And I mean, if, 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 if a project is on a certain level creatively and artistically and the story's done well enough, like nothing should prohibit it from being seen. And there were, there were some, some major like executives in sports companies or whatever that saw this film. I mean, we, we tried to get it to people. And I remember one time one of uh, one, a female executive from ESPN, you know, uh, told me at one point, why are they so angry? And I'm thinking to myself, are you shitting me? Did you watch this film? You know, <laughs> did you see what, like what the level of denial was for, for so many of these women who were growing up in Texas? You know, did you, did you have any, I mean, like, was there anything like, how could they not be pissed off? You know, not everybody wants to be a cheerleader, you know, not everybody wants to subjugate their own passions and their own, interest in the interest of like propping somebody else up you know and that was that was a that was a real thing you know especially in in, in texas i mean like one one thing i would love to do is i'd love to go back and and we're talking about doing a 20-year anniversary uh reunion uh next year and, and having a screening of the film and I, I think it'd be a way for me to update some of the content and um and help get it out there but one of the things I would love to do is I'd love to see the the two cheerleaders I interviewed from Odessa, Odessa, Texas, and see what happened with yeah. their lives, and see what happened to them like after they grew up in a in a in a community that just basically wanted them to be in the service of of other people who generally were peaking at the age of 18 years old. I mean the whole thing was stunted and backwards, and you know one one show one uh, a screening and playing with rage we did it at the Alamo Draft House. Um, probably about 10 years ago, uh, one of the, you know, a, a couple of people came up to me afterwards and said, I grew up in Odessa and I really felt like you were speaking directly to me with, with this film. And I just think there's a lot of people out there that, that, that could be impacted in, in ways that really transcend football, that really relate more to opportunity and the ceiling uh, and, and expectations you have for human beings. Well, it's a it's a very good story, and it, when you said you wanted to go do the cheerleaders, it made me think of how uh, Sports Illustrated does "Where Are They Now" segments, and even yeah, uh, exactly. Oh, ESPN does that, so that would be pretty cool when you yeah. <laughs> when it comes out to be able to backstory some of those people and just see what happened to them. So, yeah, uh, yeah that would be pretty cool. I'd like to invite them. I'd like to invite them. I mm-hmm. mean, I think I think it'd be a, a, a fascinating discussion. I mean. I would not be at all surprised if if, uh, if if one or if not both of them stayed locally, 
quite possibly, you know, never really had a chance to either understand what their dream was or, or be given the freedom to explore it. You know, so I think you, I think I was definitely not making fun of those girls uh, mm-hmm. when I had that conversation with them. Um, but I definitely felt empathy and I felt sorry for them for their experience or, or, or lack of one um, because they were clearly aware of the fact that, um, that, that they were, that, that they were part of something that they considered special, but they also knew their role was, was uh, not necessarily on the level, even though it was given a lot of attention. It wasn't the right. same. I don't know. You know, we all, we all live some sort of life. So it's just cool to see that part and especially uh, the backdrop of women's football. Cause I mean, I know Soho has been around, and she's seen the growth of the sport. And, and I've been around just 10 years, and I can see the growth of the sport. So, anyways, I'll turn my next question over to Soho because Oscar's probably going to, like, say, hey, we got to stop talking. <laughs> so, uh, so Soho, um, I, I mean, you and I have been around each other a little bit, and so I was curious uh, what your plans are for this coming season. I know you were the head coach for the Camo Last year, right. Um, right. and so, and I know you've still been doing AFE stuff. So, yeah. what's your plans on the on the regular season? Because AFE is just events that come and right. are sporadic. Right. And so, what's your plans for the upcoming season? Is the camo still going to continue? Uh, uh, are you still going to be the head coach? I know they struggled uh, no, a little bit last no. year, so yeah, yeah, they did. No, I will not be returning with the camo. I'm actually uh, with the Houston Energy again. Oh, okay. Do you have a spot that you live, or do you just go nomadic and then you just travel <laughs> no, around and you just two. live no, where? I'm, I'm actually in between the two. I'm in between you know, Houston and, and the other teams. So, so wait, between no. what Houston and what? I'm in between Houston and Austin, so you know either way, oh. you know. Uh, I just yeah, okay. so I'm gravitating back to the energy this year. Wait, so which league does the energy play in? I know they're IWFL, but where are they a, now? No, they're in WFA. They're in WFA. Yeah, okay, year. they are WFA. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know there's no IWFL anymore, so I just can't remember where they went. So Houston right. Energy. So okay, off the top of your head, can you name how many Houston teams have women's uh, football, tackle football? How many in Houston? How many 11-11. teams in Houston? Yeah. <laughs> Eleven on eleven. See if you can pull that up. I will go with. I will go with. Hmm. One, two, three, four. (laughs) Four. That's it. Okay. So. Okay. So let's count them out. So we got Houston Energy. We got Mm -hmm. the WNFC Houston Heat, right? Uh huh. And then WFA Power. No, is Power still around? Yeah, you got the Power. Okay. And then what's the fourth one? The Wildcats. Wildcats and the Heat. Just merge, so there's combine. Three. Yeah. So oh, okay. Three. So there's really only three. Okay. It just seems like there's three. so many Houston teams that can't keep trade. Yeah. Well, all they, right. Well, they that's got the eight on eight and all that madness. So yeah, there's just okay. <laughs> teams everywhere. Yeah. Okay. So you bring up a good point. Are you are you straight eleven on eleven? Like you're you've sold your soul to eleven on eleven, or would you consider going eight as a coach? Um. <laughs> It's, it's actually hard to say right now. My heart's with the okay. eleven on eleven, but um, I wouldn't back down from a challenge. And eight on eight would be a challenge for me um, because I'm so stuck in an eleven man ball. But yeah, football is football. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, yeah, you yeah. get it. Football is football. So. And are you? What's your position on the energy? I'll be a defensive coach. Defense is, is okay. where my heart is. <laughs> 
day one. That's that's been my thing is defense. It sounds way easier than being a head coach. That's all. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Just see. Man, when you're dealing with women, yeah, bringing up yeah. women is so much easier. Yeah, but oh, yeah, man, yeah. I, I'm happy. I'm happy either way. As long as I'm I'm with the game and making sure that the women playing the game are taken care of, I'm fine. Okay, very cool. Well, I'll turn it over to Oscar because I know he's got a full slate, and Oscar likes to talk. He's the man, so I'll let him have you. <laughs> I don't talk unless I'm sick. And I'm not sick, okay. so that's a bad thing for you, Mike. All right, Coach Soho, I really appreciate you making the time today. I wish you well in the 2020 WFA season. The energy, obviously, a very competitive team in the IWFL. A lot of long history as well with uh, a lot of legendary players like Welter and everybody else that's on the uh, Dallas Diamonds and a lot of history there. So uh, we'll see how the Houston energy kind of like works its 2020 magic versus Dallas elite and everybody else in that uh, Texas swing. So defensive coach, I, I guess we're expecting um, high level zeros for most of the season. Cause that's literally what you guys are used to, right? <laughs> I, you know, I did. We're just going to play ball. That's all we can do. <laughs> I know you say that now, but uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you're smiling after every win and, I mean, Houston, Houston ball traditionally has been, you know, where they don't, they don't give up much points. That's a, it's a proud tradition. Yeah. yeah very proud tradition. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so coach, uh, I really appreciate you making the time. Uh, congratulations on your honor at the uh, hall of fame for AFB. And we look forward thank to you. the 2020 WFA season and Sean, thank you uh, for coming in, giving us uh, insights and kind of making us aware of this documentary that obviously is very uh, classic. And hopefully we can, um, in the future, announce to everybody that it's going to be rolled out and the full documentary. And uh, that'll be cool to have kind of a perspective on those players today as what they saw yesterday or the, you know, prior. So that'll be pretty cool if, if that happens. So we look, we will look forward to that announcement. Great. Thank you very much for having us. All right, Sean and Coach Soho, have a great evening. Thank you again for making the time. Really appreciate it. Me too, Oscar. Thank you, man. Thanks, Oscar. All right, Luis, um, there you go. Uh, Coach uh, Chanel Soho, Tillman Brooks, and then you have filmmaker Sean Pamphelon uh, playing with Rage. That was a great movie, um, uh, trailer-wise. And that's why I said it's a lot of emotions that go into play with that. It's going to be nice to have the whole trailer come out. Yeah, that'll be cool. I mean, you know, just any of these, you you see stuff being made by filmmakers and documentaries and different things about women's sport and women's football, and it's just nice to see what goes on and, and have people be recognized, like you said, for their hard work and effort. So that's very cool what he's been doing. So hopefully it works out. All right, so uh, we will see you, I guess, next week if if that's the case. Okay. Um, we're going to yep. be talking uh, more information on the Women's Hall of Fame that's going to be coming out probably in the next week or two and as we get closer to the event. Um, and then we'll have details on the hotel, details on uh, all the things that are going to be happening, um, you know, in terms of pre-game uh, events. So we're looking forward to that. And I, my news, I got notes saying that um, – the folks that were doing the San Diego Rebellion are going to put up the uh, 
the uh, game. So that should be pretty exciting. Yep. They've done a great job all year with WNFC. So that should be pretty impressive to watch as all, all the, yep. uh, you know, the players will be contributing there. So pretty awesome. So I will catch you next week if that's the case. So uh, have a great evening. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right. All right, guys. Um, so Louise is bailing out on us, and we are going to bring in uh, the WNFC CEO in the second huddle here. You can always go to Zazzle.com for slash Diabetes. Get your no-joke football gear there. Uh, get the classic silver and black no-joke football. And if you're a, a athlete playing women's American football, that is the slogan you want to be showcasing all the time. What's your game? My, my game is no joke. So you play no joke football. So check it out. Save up to 20% off and use the coupon code that Zazzle.com. Free shipping if you uh, basically subscribe to Zazzle Black, which is for $9.99 for the whole year in the U.S. So you get free shipping as well. So help us out. Zazzle has been our sponsor for six years. They're more than gracious to keep us uh, on the podcast to get, keep it running and to bring awareness to the sport. So help us out as well there. So take advantage of the coupons as well. All right, let's bring in the uh, WNFC CEO, and that would be Bryant uh, Sewell of the WNFC. Hi, Bryant. Hey, Oscar. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, you're doing better than I am because you apparently you're not at NASA, and I'm in California. So. Yeah. Well, those are those are pretty close. It's, uh, it's well, a little yeah. different in the Caribbean than it is in California, but you know it's it's close. You have great white sharks, and we don't. So. I prefer that, but still. Yeah, I I kind of figure that. <laughs> um, uh, Bryant, uh, wow, we got Prodigy, we got Queens, we got Phantoms. Yeah. We talked to Coach Rich Arrigan last uh, Rich Arrigan last week. We talked to uh, Tiffany uh, Matthews for the week before that. We talked to Ebony Kimbrough. Um, we are going to be talking probably in the next couple couple of weeks here. Uh, La Muerte de las Cruces and the Miss, uh, Mississippi Lady Panthers. Um, a lot of people were kind of shocked, Brian, including myself, to see that we got two strong D3 teams, uh, especially uh, Mississippi. No surprise there because they're obviously one of the finalists for the, uh, the D3 championship last year when they lost to Nevada. But La Muerte de las Cruces really has been a really good community in terms of you know uh, bringing attention to the sport and obviously packing that stadium that they have there. So um, kind of surprising and not surprising based on the organizations that were coming in. But I think Mississippi, probably the most surprising. Everybody else w- wasn't a, a shock in a way, but Mississippi coming on board, kind of like, okay. Well, you know, we we look for a certain criteria. I mean, you know, the WNFC is an invitation only. I mean, you know, we're not we're not here to be everybody's flavor of ice cream cone. I mean, you know, there is some um, – we want everybody to play that that can. I mean, we certainly don't want to keep anybody from playing, but I mean, we're we're really trying to separate ourselves and really go a different direction, which you know is is proving to be pretty successful. And and a lot of people out there see, um, despite the naysayers before the season started, I, I think they can all we can all realize that that wasn't very accurate and was just some mud slinging, but you know, we, we proved all the naysayers wrong, did everything that we said we were going to do and, and added Adidas and Riddell on top of that. And we didn't even, that wasn't even anything we committed to during the season. So, you know, we invite teams that we believe have that vision 
are stable, good, well-managed teams that want to grow. You know, we want to get the sport to where, you know, people are putting money in their pocket instead of taking money out of their pocket, which is why we don't take money out of teams' pockets. That's why we put money into their pocket. So it's a complete reversal of the way things have been pretty much forever. And, you know, those teams not only do well on the field, regardless of what division they play in, and I don't think anybody should be put in a box of what division they need to be in. Some of them have smaller rosters, and, you know, that's true. But they're well-managed, they're excellent teams, and they want to play against the best competition that there is. And, and that's what everybody has in common in the WNSC as well, is that, you know, they want to play the best. You know, some teams decide to go a certain direction because they don't want to play the best. They want to play teams that they can beat. Well, you know, that's not how we're made uh, in the WNFC. And, you know, are those two teams that you mentioned, um, you know, going to have a challenge going up against Atlanta or the Spartans? Or Sure. But that's what they want. That's what football is about. I mean, you know, that's – it's hard to get wound up for a game that you know you're going to win by 60 points. But, I mean, when when we line up against a Utah, I mean, you never know. It's going to be a shootout. The, the championship was a perfect example of that, despite the, the regular season game. That, would just, that just was, you know, it was not that way most of the game, and we just kind of got on a roll and just kind of ended up that way. The championship game and the best of the West championship game is how those games are, and they're a shootout. And one play can take it one way or the other because those are two high-quality, exceptional teams with great talent and great staffs that want a challenge and a shootout. And that's what the teams that join the WNFC want. Well, uh, Brian, we talked to uh, Washington. Washington comes with a good resume, USWSFL, IWFL. Uh, we have Carolina, good resume in the IWFL. Uh, ownership, as you're talking, really is a key there. They're all excited Absolutely. because this is more of a business model for them. So they have proven themselves on the field in terms of excellence. Now, uh, you know, we talked to Tiffany and Jordan Marie. They're really their challenge is really to prove themselves as a real true brand to bring attention to the area, but also a brand of you know business brand that people can support and elevate the next you know to the next level. Philly, I mean Star Wright has been around for a long, long time, and she's been able to put together a Philadelphia Phantoms teams for many seasons at a D2 high level that even compete very well with D1 in WFA. So it really, just, sure. when you look at when you look at the ownerships, in other words, uh, all the way around, um, you can't see why those owners really would like to take up on, on another challenge. Well, and, and you know, a high tide raises all boats. I, I mean, you know, there's, there's always going to be teams that either because of financial advantage or location um, have a little bit of a, of a built-in advantage. Um, you know, when smaller market teams don't always have that advantage. But, you know, what we need to do and what the WNFC is striving to do is raise the tide for everybody. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult to fill in some of those gaps sometimes. But the more money that we can bring to the league and to the sport, 
because we don't keep any at the league. We distribute it all to the teams, and we put it out there and help them build their own uh, markets as well as you know have revenue streams to the league that can, can feed those. And that raises everybody up. And makes them all better, so we can get to a, you know, we can get to the, the worst problem we could have is get to the point where, you know, we need to have a salary cap, or you know, I mean, let's get to that point, and then we'll cure that problem. But you know, right, if Brian, we help uh, everybody increase the revenue, then you know, we can get to that level. All right. So I was given some information. Uh, I had to clarify that information. Uh, the Pumas have, or the original Puma owner has decided to branch out and decided that he was going to start Women's Tackle Football League. Then we have uh, news that I got was we're still going to have a North Florida uh, team in the WNFC coming up in 2020. There's going to be future things to be announced from what I'm told. And we also had uh, an internal situation with the uh, New Orleans Hippies which I'm told that they will be the rebranded as well because of some issues with uh, their head coach. And so that was a decision that the league made where they dismissed that the coach decided to start his own team in WFA, uh, I guess the hurricanes or something. So in reality, uh, some of these internal issues that came about kind of surprising in a way, because you figure the model is to benefit you, but somehow these folks have decided to screw it up if you want to you know, be blunt about it. And so they've gone, they've gone away to where they think they could do something better. I don't know. Just, it's kind of weird. Well, uh, you know, there's, there's some reasons for some of those moves. I mean, um, you know, the, the, the hippies actually were dismissed from the league for violating league policies. And so, because we, we have a set standard. And there was some things done, multiple levels, uh, no dispersions on the players, didn't have anything to do with that. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not going to be in the league next year under their current configuration because those rules were violated. And, and a very lengthy investigation was conducted to get to the bottom line there. Um, in Florida, you know, the one thing that unfortunately we'll never be able to remove from the sport for a while is the drama. And some teams sometimes have their own internal drama and Florida is kind of going through a little bit of a split where one group of people want to go one way and one individual wants to go another way, which doesn't necessarily make sense to me. Um, But it is a free country. And if, that individual wants to try to do that, he certainly can, or they certainly can. But I think that um, the North Florida organization will have a presence in the WNFC and, you know, that's all taking place. I mean, as much as we try to help the teams and and raise all boats, um, you know, they still do have some internal conflicts and, and, you know, sometimes we have to wait until the the cards fall out and then pick them up and see what kind of hand we have to work with. But you know, those are definitely the minority. Um, and but you're always going to have that a little bit. Um, it just kind of comes with the territory sometimes. 
Yeah, and the, the surprising thing is it's it never really gets done that way. And so I think a lot of people were kind of like, okay, they made the decisions. Somebody decided to split. They decided, hey, no problem, let you go. You're good to go, right? It happens in almost yeah. every level of sport. And the league has, you know, the league obviously did some extensive work in terms of why dismissal and the reasons for dismissal. So uh, New Orleans, from what I'm told, will be rebrand. And what I was told also, um, if I'm correct, obviously North Florida will obviously get another team. So we're not losing any teams in reality. We're just kind of retooling or remanaging that aspect of it to for 2020. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll definitely gain. I mean, you know, the off season is young, um, but you know, we we do have we have rules and we have policies that need to be adhered to. And if teams don't, the the luxury that we have since we're not a, a, a league that takes money from teams is the fact that it's not a membership. I mean, you're invited to join, and we give you money to help your team succeed. But with that comes a responsibility of the team and of the ownership to abide by the rules and abide by our policies, which is for the betterment of not only the league, but the teams and the players. And if you're not going to, to follow that, then we also have the right to kick you out because it's our money. So, you know, we're when you flip the coin and you're paying to sure. be there, well, you don't really have the ability to exert much control because they're paying to be there. Right. So, you yeah, know, I think that was the right decision. Thing and we get that control, which helps us move in a cohesive direction. Right. I think it was the right decision. I mean, uh, given some of the facts that were out there, um, but, you know, the reality is uh, we'll still have the, the teams in 2020, so that's a good sign for those markets. Um we do have, like I said, pretty exciting Eastern Eastern Atlantic uh, type of mentality for 2020. Pretty excited. Uh, you know, Atlanta Phoenix, Washington Prodigy, Carolina Queens, Philadelphia Phantoms, uh, all that. And then you also have uh, Mississippi Lady Panthers. You got Alabama Fire as well. You got the North North uh, Florida team that's probably going to combine. So the Atlantic's kind of uh, has gotten compressed, where last year it was more of the West being a little bit more tighter and the Atlantic kind of like a little spanned. So that's a pretty good sign for fans to get excited about. Well, there will be more. We're just getting started, Austin. I mean, the best is yet to come. And, and in another month, you'll be listing off a, another group of teams that you didn't even mention in that list and going, wow, okay, so how does this change the dynamic? How does that change the dynamic? I mean, we've got great teams in both sides of the country with more to come and uh, it's it just going to get better. I mean, like I said, we're only getting started. I mean, it was our, it was our first year. Anybody that has run a business or started a business or, you know, run an operation at a high level realizes that, um, you know, the best plan in the world goes out the window as soon as the bullets start flying. I mean, I'm a Marine, so I think in those terms, I mean, the enemy gets a vote. Um, so, you know, there's some things that we could have, that we will do better and we learned from. Um, you know, we had our rehearsal, and, and we've got a tremendous amount of feedback. The ownership in our league is just fantastic. I mean, I cannot say enough good things about the ownership 
of the teams in the league and the staff at the WNFC is tireless. And they, you know, have gone through a very extensive debrief process with every team, not only for the good, but for the bad. What can we improve? And it's a community effort of some of the best owners in women's football collaborating with one of the best staffs, if not the best staff in women's football to make it better. And it's going to be, it's going to be a big improvement and we're just going to keep going from there. The momentum is only beginning. All right. It's great to hear that uh, we have that and fans are going to be pretty excited once uh, other markets are rolled out and those uh, rivalries start to, you know, get into uh, a mode on 2020, just like we had, you know, Bobcats and, rebellion rebellion and surge and and you know majestics and la and the san diego team so those are kind of be expected in terms of on the atlantic side as well everybody i think is looking forward to kind of like take down the top dog in in that sense which is going to be pretty exciting for 2020 to shoot for um but you know last year the rankings were really awesome i think uh the more teams are added obviously it's going to be more competitive kind of like college football mindset in a way so that's going to be pretty exciting to watch and kind of evolve at this point. Um, the live streaming W uh, NFC TV, uh, you know, with uh, Nenji Martin and company out there doing a great job that way. Uh, 2020, you know, the fans are going to be sort of expecting the same that happened in 2019. Are we looking at that already? Are we having conversations about that? I know we talked to the prodigy and they mentioned that as well, that they obviously need to put up a quality, you know, partnership with somebody to do the, the live stream or Facebook lives? No, absolutely. I mean, in the, the video uh, streaming was very well received. I mean, we have more than just the, I mean, San Diego does a great job, but, um, you know, Utah has an excellent broadcast. Um, you know, Texas does a pretty good job. We're, we're working to improve. Um, you know, some Atlanta does a great job as well. Several other teams out there do a pretty good job. Obviously, San Diego's got a lot of attention, but, you know, they have been very forthcoming. And, again, it's a community of everybody working together um, to make all that better. And we would not only like to improve that and expand it, but expand it in other directions as well so that, you know, people can watch games in, the, in the several different ways and several different options so that we can get the sport out there because the more people see our game and the more people they see the level of competition that we have in the WNFC, the more fans we're going to gather. I mean, you probably run into it as, as Luis does, as we do, as OJ does with people that go, women play football, really? And then they come to a game and they're blown away. And unfortunately, we still have way too many people that are in the women play football question mark mode. And the more we get the sport out there and the more attention it gets and the more great matchups we have and, the, and the, you know, the more we can, you know, not have forfeits that just blow up not only, uh, you know, that home game for that team, but also the fans and the disappointment of getting ready to go to a game and then the game's not happening and all that kind of stuff and anything that contributes to that. The more we can eliminate that and boost the actual competition on the field and focus on the play of the players, 
the more this sport will expand and grow as we get rid of the negative bad things and we focus on the positive good things. Totally agree with that. Um, I think the the expectation and the anticipation for 2020 is growing. And if, once we get the the total amount of teams scheduled out in terms of a full, a full schedule, then everybody's going to be pretty excited to pick and choose which favorite team they're going to get to. Um, but, Brian, thank you for making the, the time today. I know you're a busy guy, and you're almost uh, out and about everywhere. Uh, we are looking forward to 2020 WNFC for sure. And considering what has been added, uh, very impressive in terms of, like I said, Washington Prodigy, the Carolina Queens, uh, Philly Phantoms. We got Star Wright coming probably in a week or two here to talk about that as well. Um, you got the Avalos over in uh, Las Muertas de las Cruces. Um, we'll be talking to the Mississippi Lady Panthers coming up here in about a week or two as well. So all these teams really understanding, uh, you know, what 2020 is going to be and how competitive they can be in 2020. And it looks like it's going to be an interesting uh, new season for year two. Well, and it's, you know, all those teams that you just mentioned, they're all going to be rolling out in their brand new Adidas uniforms. Uh, you know, I know I listen to the show most, most weeks when I can, and I know that the, I know that the players are as excited about wearing Adidas uniforms as they are many other aspects of the league. So they're all going to be rolling out new threads and, and looking great and looking professional and, uh, and and putting a quality product on the field that they're all capable of providing. So we're very excited as well, and and there's more to come. All right, Bryant, uh, thank you very much. I uh, really pr- uh appreciate you uh, giving us the all access uh, and making the time to be on here and kind of give the fans um, some of the, you know, things that are obviously brewing in the WNFC for phase two, 2020. Uh, So we're looking forward to more announcements and we're also anticipating a lot of more uh, rivalries coming up in the Atlantic as these teams have been announced and there's going to be a lot of rivalries build up. We talked to the Washington prodigy, the Carolina Queens, looking forward to that Philly Phantoms as well with uh, coach, uh, Harrigan, he was looking forward to. So there's a lot of rivalries that are going to be pretty exciting to watch on the Atlantic side in 2020. So thank you again for making the time. Safe travels out there. Enjoy NASA as, as well with the good weather out there. Oh, I, I will. It's it's uh, I'm blessed to be able to live here and um, we enjoy it every day. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be nothing but the best in the WNFC, and, and as other teams announce, you're going to see rivalries that you only dreamed of getting to see, and it's just going to add excitement all the way down the line, not only for the players, but for all the fans out there that uh, are learning what a great sport we have. All right, Brian, thank you again. Uh, we'll touch base uh, once again as soon as we get closer to 2020 and kind of talk, talk about the schedule, talk about the rostering and the expectation for the uh, upcoming season next uh, in 2020. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks for the time, Oscar. Have a great evening. All right, guys. Uh, that was the WNFC CEO, uh, Bryant uh, Sewell, and he is excited to announce all these new teams. And on top of that, more teams coming up. The schedule hasn't been finalized, and that's obviously because there's other teams that are brewing. So uh, in the next coming weeks, as he's mentioned, we are going to have a lot more teams coming over uh, with a lot of uh, criteria that needs to be met to be in this league. We have a couple teams that obviously couldn't meet that criteria. Those were dealt with. 
and now they're either regrouping or they're going to be relaunching in terms of a new logo, new name, et cetera, for 2020. So we'll keep tabs on the WNFC as we do for the fall and as we come into uh, the spring as well and see what the anticipation will be for WNFC 2020. And as always, we thank him uh, and Odessa um, for giving us access to uh, interview them and kind of bring up some of the issues or questions or things that fans obviously would want us to ask. So really appreciate their, his time out there in, uh, for, for coming on board with us. So um, let's go into the third huddle. We're going to go LFL Insider with Nate Ward. We're going to be talking Legends Football League uh, for the uh, playoffs. And so, uh, Nate, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well, Oscar. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing a lot better than the Omaha Heart was doing. <laughs> uh, I almost don't want to say the line of they are who we thought they were, but <laughs> that was a bit of a I, I don't know what game. happened, but uh, whatever game plan the team had, obviously they took away the quarterback. They forced the backup quarterback, which she played really well. That's our no-joke football athlete, Anna Garza. Um, yep. But it just seemed like, Nate, it just looked like once uh, Lauren Crouch went out, this heart uh, uh, team just, just just kind of fell apart in a way. They didn't really kind of bond or work together at this point. And Atlanta, even without Ziegler and even Alfie Gore going out, Atlanta really a lot of weapons there. Um, they got too many talented. You got Marshall, you got Holtz, uh, I mean, Tibbs. I mean, you name it. They they just overpowered them. Uh, it's a great season for Omaha in a way because they did play and they did win. So they were 2-2, two and two, kind of a 500-type mentality. They did win two of their home games. So there's plenty of positives to take away from that. Their defense was pretty decent for about three games there. Uh, they unfortunately, when they played the higher-quality teams, they just can't at they can't compete at that level yet. Uh, the 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 game plan that they have they have set is not um, what would you say not um, as strong against those those higher caliber teams. I mean, you listed everybody from pretty much everybody from Atlanta. They're a, a, a an all fantasy team in and of themselves. Um, but we saw in that game and especially the game before that, that if you try to divert too much from what you succeeded with in the first two games, uh, you're, you're toast. And that's shown for a lot of teams. I mean, look at Denver, they're still figuring out. So Omaha has uh, to give themselves a pat on the shoulder for at least getting two wins out of the season, not going over for the, the third or fourth season in their, their franchise history. Well, I don't understand the Omaha coaching staff because I was watching the game. You you have Anna Garza, and you're putting her in shotgun. She's racking up a lot of yardage in terms of, you know, on a run mode because she has the speed, but they don't go to a block mode on the front line. You would think, you know, it, it's working. You're getting yards. You can get back into this game. It was late third quarter, sure, but she's killing it on the runs. She's getting first downs just on – you know, get one or two blocks, and you're there. Even Coach Dan Robinson was like, hey, they're killing us. we got a block. And then you go to, okay, let's give it to Matei Vincent. Oh, let's just, you know, give it to uh, Lindbergh. I mean, come on. It's like, 
wh- how how much of a dumb down down mode do you have to get? This is a huge game. You're going to the playoffs. You got to beat this team. You know it. The I almost feel like even in the the successes and when the light has shined on that coaching staff, I feel like almost there's also been um, a lot of behind the scenes stuff that we haven't seen. I was uh, I was at the um, the Seattle Omaha game um, back at the beginning of this year, and it seemed like just from the brief glimpse that I saw in walking around the concourse and kind of seeing back there, it just seemed like there was a lot of uh, almost disconnect between the, the, the coaches. And it seemed like even Mitch had to get in on a conversation or two to uh, kind of keep them at bay. And I think it goes back to that whole thing of, you know, you've got something working for you. You're, you're, you're driving down the field, you're moving the ball. And then you, um, and I'm from Seattle. I hate to say this, but you you pull uh you you pull a Seahawks Super Bowl move and you change momentum and it kills you. Yep. My my thing is just in Omaha that the staff Dante Allen's been there a long time. Good's been there a long time. Okay, there's just there's no excuses for an anemic offense. There's no excuses for that. It's just not it's it's inexcusable now. You have been in this league for four or five years. If you're not scouting correctly, it's on you that you have talent. You, uh, you had a quarterback. You're telling me you never had a backup plan if your quarterback gets injured? I think, you know, we talked to Tui a long time ago, and he said you always have to have a, ba- a B backup quarterback because you're in this league, anybody can get hurt initially. It's just yeah. the way it is. And so them being no quarterback and, you know, give Crouch credit, I think she played an, a great season. Unfortunately, she had no blocking, and that's what caused her to, you know, no time and everything else caused her to get hurt as well. But uh, the bottom line is you did put in Anna Garza. Anna Garza is obviously the elite star in this team and is the player that everyone was drawing to. And so, you know what, she played great. The problem is the coaching staff didn't adjust to her and her play style. If they would adjust to her and say, you just got to block, you just got to block me. I'm going on an option to the right or to the left. Just block me and let me get me my five yards. Let me get me my 10 yards and we're good. And we're in the end zone. This is 25 yard field. If you as a coach don't understand that, then you shouldn't be coaching in arena ball. Right. And you mentioned, um, you mentioned the scouting reports and with the fact that, most of this league are players and teams that have been together and combined for how many years now? It shouldn't even be a matter of scouting. It should just be second nature. And then you go out and you, you, you should be able to adjust to any situation at this point with where the league is at. And like you said, the, the excuses, they, they've run out. You should know what you're doing at this point. You should have a game plan every game. You should be prepared for whatever happens. And this is this is stuff that should be covered in basic practice, even in preseason, before you even hit the actual field. And so to see that, you know, Omaha hasn't figured it out at this point, and they've played how many of these familiar faces over, I don't know how many, I can't remember how many years they've been in the league now, but to have that much experience and have as many veterans return, and even with Dante at the helm, 
it, it, it's disappointing to say the least. I wouldn't say I'm frustrated, but I am very disappointed in them for not um, having been able to become a successful franchise at this point. The problem that I see is they are not able to coach high talent in the uh, athletes. They have athletes. Their game plan is just not uh, conducive to having these athletes, you know, take advantage. So that's the difference between a Michelson and a Dante Allen, where a Michelson takes advantage of the talent that he has and schemes the game plan around that talent. Where in, in Omaha, the coach is wanting to work with whatever game plan he wants to work with, but it's not what the player is going to benefit him. You know what I mean? Um, Anna Garza, for example, took over at center for uh, at quarterback, and all of a sudden, guess what happened? She's running the ball. She made a, a, a right run. She gets almost six yards on that run, right? You would think as a coach, right. you're like, this is working. Let's just block. Let's help her. Let's block for her, and let's get in the end zone. No, let's give the ball and hand the ball out. Let's make her a one-dimensional quarterback so we have to flip the ball to Vincent who fumbles. And I mean, in other words, if you can screw up an opportunity, they did screw up the opportunity. So it's not the players, and I'm not, I'm not putting the blame on the players. I don't think it's the willingness. On, I mean, uh, the lack of effort on the players or the scheming. You could see the players frustrated at the game, uh, the game planning and the, and the calls that they were being made by the coach. It just, it's just pathetic, pathetic football. And that's not no, going to fly when you go up against Atlanta. It's not going to fly against Seattle. You got burned out in Seattle. You got, you got 70 points put up on you, Seattle. You got 50 points put up on Atlanta. That right there should tell you Dante Allen is not the coach for Omaha. And I don't understand where Mitch is still holding on to him unless you can't find anybody else in Omaha, Nebraska to coach this team. Just, it's just not. This is not the guy. You fired him once, and you brought him back, and now you brought him back, and you can fire him again. It's like you're just monkeying around. Go find somebody that can that can coach this team and get this team to another level. The talent is there. They, the coaching staff, I think, is the issue. Yeah. If if there's any any coaches in Nebraska, please raise your hand. <laughs> Seriously. Um, Seriously. I mean, there's there's. You know, you you pinpointed it right there. There's the difference between a Chris Michelson and a a um, Dante Allen. A Dante Allen, yeah. I just it's so irksome right now. Is that you know, I'm surprised that like we saw with Chicago, what was it two weeks ago? I'm surprised we haven't seen that in the Omaha locker room unless they just haven't wanted to show it because it's been two times worse. Um. But it's, I think, you know, I think more broadly, I think it's, it's, it's coaching in, in the moment. They, they don't have the, 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 the vision to see when they have a good thing going. And mm-hmm. they, they have no set mindset. They have no set vision. And if anything is to happen this off season, it's, it's, it's a fire sale on that coaching staff. It cannot go another season and expect to have even the, the fans that they do have. I know they're supportive there in Omaha, but, there comes a point where even they'll probably switch over to the, the men's arena league if it gets that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I, I'm just saying the issue really with uh, the hard players and uh, talented athletes. They're really good, and and they're just they're not being guided correctly. That's my whole point. And game planning yeah. and game calling is a coach's responsibility. It has nothing to do with the players. If you if you game plan correctly, 
the players will execute. If your game plan stinks, they will execute as a stinking mode. And they're frustrated. They were frustrated. You could tell everybody was frustrated. You lose a quarterback, oh, no doubt. fine. It deflates you. But you do have a talented option backup. And even with a basic game plan of either run the ball or even not pass the ball, you could, in a 25-yard, in a 50-yard field, you can run the ball. You can run the ball, and if you can get six yards, you're going to go to the end zone at some point. You're going to get in the end zone. Yep. I don't understand how that cannot be dissected. Anyways, um, let the, the playoff picture is clear. Uh, you'll see it this weekend on YouTube. Yep. Obviously, the Austin Acoustic take care of business against the Nashville Knights. Nashville put up a good fight. Last week, we talked about how they needed to come in and really set themselves up. We already knew Danica Brace was going to bring in and uh, a really good Knights team. Their expectations, obviously, was to go to the playoffs as well. And so they lose 26-18. They kept it close for about three quarters, 20-18. to 18. You guys will see it uh, via the LFL YouTube channel. Um, Nate, this is a, a perfect example. The moment at Austin, we already knew, rematch against Los Angeles. They get, to get, they get to face each other this time around, and then uh, in about a couple, what, in a month or so, or November 16th, or two months from now, they're going to meet them. They're going to meet in Mexico City as well. Um, yeah, one, one, uh, one playoff game in the, in the next edition. I, I kind of like it, uh, if anything, because, um, you know, with the exhibition, it'll get to be fun, but right now it's, it's all, you know, it's, you know, elbows to the grindstone, and I think, you know, we've we've seen this matchup before. I can't think that we've seen it in a playoff scenario. I I think we're in for a, a really, really good game. I think by the time that rolls around, the both teams will be healed up. We'll have full rosters, and um, I don't know. I think Austin really wants this, and I think they're really going to give um, Los Angeles a, a run for their money. Uh, Nate, um, uh, uh, kind of throw a ripple in, in everything else. And so sure. Mitch comes up with, oh, by the way, uh, any any player on a non-playoff team is more than happy to go to a playoff team and you get two two players as free agents to come onto a, a playoff team. So that's kind of interesting in a way. Uh, uh, the opportunity will be there for some of those, you know, high-talent players like an Ana Garza, for example, that just, you know, uh, just got defeated in, in Omaha and maybe she ends mm-hmm. up in Austin or, or Los Angeles as an example. So that's a kind of a, a nice twist and addition for an added weapon in a playoff mode for a coach. So yeah. uh, I kind of like that in that way as well. Kind of like the playoff format being changed. I like that as well. So more of a cutthroat mentality. Plus you have to add some quality talent as this late in the season, most teams like Ziggler's out in Atlanta and then you got uh, Gore out in Atlanta. So most of the time at the end, getting to the playoffs, you do have some injuries that, to keep players that could have benefited you if they weren't injured. So this is kind of nice to kind of go grab somebody that you can kind of utilize. Yeah, and I, I love it. It's not, and it's not the, the, the first time it's been done. I think it was done a couple times maybe three or four years ago um, as a, a free agent pool in, in a way. But it sounds like this time they kind of get to choose what teams they want to go to or what teams, you know, if teams want a certain player, they can get them. Um, I know uh, Chris and um, Keith were really big on that. The the couple of years that happened before 
Um, and I think this is a good time to do it. I think, you know, like you said, there's, there's, uh, there's little bits of injuries here and there for, for every team. And I think that, you know, in case that happens, you have the, you know, you have the, the deck stacked where you have somebody that can come in who is raring to go, who otherwise would have probably not had a playoff opportunity and they're getting a chance to, you know, show their, their their worth and what they look like in a playoff atmosphere and be an asset to a team that could very well earn themselves a, a ticket to a championship. So that's what the uh, replay is on LFL uh, Legends Football League, and that's the Atlanta team beating the Omaha Heart 50-14. to 14. And then this coming weekend, week 16, uh, Austin in Nashville. Uh, like I said, really close game for about three quarters. It was 20-18 to 18 for a while. Um, pretty much very competitive. It was. It didn't surprise me, Nate, that Nashville came in in a better mentality here because of what happened in Chicago. They kind of just they they just played horrible against the Bliss, and the Bliss played horrible too in terms of offenses. And all of a sudden, you, they you knew that they were going to be better. And at one point uh, down the game, there uh, we were. I was anticipating that you know, hey, it's, this is not going to be an easy Austin win, and that's literally how it was turning going in other words for about three quarters yeah i mean you you knew coming out of that that chicago game you knew that there were going to be no excuses and they were going to to over prepare and not you know not um just roll over for for austin certainly not let them gain full control of the game and when i saw the the score at halftime and then everything that was going on going into um into the fourth quarter um it seemed it seemed more like um not how we how we definitely thought it was last week when we talked because uh, i know we said it was going to take you know a magic act when at any given point in that that game i know it came down to the wire and it um ended a a um at least even just a one score game um, that, you know, huge, huge amount of credit to the, the Knights for doing a complete turnaround from their, their previous game and showing that they, they want the opportunity. And I think, um, you know, I think given some, uh, some off season reps and a, a look back at this season, I think maybe next year we could see them like they were in the first season. I think this year, just with the, the shift of, um, all the players that were with them going back to Seattle to be with, with Chris, I think they did uh, a heck of a job and they, uh, they showed in this game that they're, they're, they're here to stay, they're here to play. And uh, they, uh, they, they, they want to get back into that, that playoff picture and they want to get back into that, uh, that title draw. Um, Nate, um, refereeing is an issue that Mitch needs to fix. I think that's the issue he needs to fix. He want to, if, if he wants the LFL to be credible, he's, he needs to either pay up for a three-man referee crew that can fly to every game and really be consistent with the rules, uh, ejections. I mean, he, if he wants to be legit, in other words, make it NFL-style legit, then he needs to start implementing an official referee crew that he can fly in or some you know, se- separate crews in the regional status to do that because this is getting out of hand you got the games in there. It's really TMZ mode when you get blatant fouls. You got people punching. 
all that stuff. It just it just looks like shock value, uh, you know, video. And this is not good for the league. This is just some. This this is kind of a black eye in the league, and it doesn't uh, allow the players to be taken seriously. Yeah, you're you're right. It's and it's it's very disappointing. I um, you know, I think I, I mentioned it before. I am a um, I'm a referee here in the in the state of Washington, and uh, I I'd heard at one point that early on, when if you go back and look at the the older games, the officiating was a lot higher quality. I guess from what I understood was that back then the local associations, the ones that do the, the high schools and the semi-pro and all those around each of the states um, were very active and provided officials for that. And then um, slowly one by one, they started falling out and figuring that it, it wasn't worth the time and the effort to put into it. And that's when we saw, you know, a director of officials being named and um, these various crews popping up, but then you started seeing the the um, quote-unquote highlights on, on TMZ and on the, the YouTube WOW clips. And I've been, personally myself, I've been trying to, to, to get involved to try to help, um, you know, be on a crew to kind of point things a little bit in the right direction, Um and kind of working through those steps to get there hopefully soon. But, um, yeah, it's been, it's been bad. I can think back to the, the, the beginning of the season that, uh, that Seattle Omaha game, there were, um, there was one significant fight towards the, the end zone I was sitting behind and, um, I was extremely disappointed when they were, they were close fist punches and, uh, they were both slapped with offsetting, um, uh, unnecessary roughness and, that was that was it. There was nothing else to it. And then there was a couple of calls last year that I really took note of. That you know, when when you can plainly see that a player grabbed another player's helmet and took a swing and was asked to just sit out for a couple of downs, that that is not a a, a good look for any league, especially not one that the commissioner says is trying to get fully legitimate. And it's it's actually more of a, a big fat black eye because you're saying you know. It's uh, it's okay to use your 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 gear as weapons, and it's also surprised when a year prior to that they were trying to uh, crank down on that and um, prevent that from happening. We did see some ejections, and then the following year it just all kind of went back downhill. So, you know, it it's 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 his yeah, league to, incons- to front. The inconsistency mm-hmm. of a rule book is my point. It's an inconsistent right. rule book, and it shouldn't be that big of an issue because my only beef with with uh, Mitchell is he claims this is NFL like caliber athletes right he claims this is this is the an NFL style game this is this is something quality right and he as a commissioner has never changed that so he's making a mockery of his own branding and he's kind of like being a fool to himself what by not l- making it a legit sport not getting referees to be legit because if the referees are legit, the players then are reserved and cautious about what they what their actions are going to be, because they're going to cost their teams an opportunity for you know a, a win, or they're going to cost their issues with their coaches and things like that. But it seems like nothing's happening. The last you know uh, four weeks of the season, people are getting assaulted, people are getting punched, uh, uh, all that stuff, 
and nothing's been done. There's no suspensions. There's no people being kicked out of the uh, of the games. It's kind of like just okay, well that happened, and let's move on to the next play. And it's really how the attitude comes across on the screen in terms of the game, and I think that's a big issue. He's got to fix, or I don't even know if he wants to fix it. <laughs> yeah, you 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 keep mentioning it as a as a rule book, and um, no, the last one I saw was was two pages and it was like the the basics of the game there is no from what i understand what i know is there's no um in-depth rules in regard to that they're supposed to follow high school which apparently it sounds it it almost it almost feels like you know he does have a a hand in it that you know there's certain things that are purposely not being called and you you called it perfectly it's you know it's borderline if not full-on assault and you know if you're going to say that you have nfl caliber players and play high quality football then you need to dip it in the bud or you need to quit acting like you're all that and just own up to the fact that you are uh you know you're i don't want to say sports entertainment but you're bordering on that and you need to quit saying that you're you're trying to be like the big leagues yeah and, and that's that's my beef it's just you're coming across your videos come across and then your promos are saying hey this is the highest level of football that's played uh and at the same time you know you're avoiding basically it's garbage refereeing it's really what it boils down to you got garbage referee that really takes away from the players and if the players were uh, basically controlled then you'd have higher quality of play and then obviously you would have less infractions and more on play, more ele- electric on-field plays. So I, I think that's an issue in the offseason for 2020 that the LFL needs to fix. They need to really address that piece if they want to be legit. Um, come to the playoffs, let's, I, I'm anticipating the same stuff, uh, Nate, coming to the playoffs. We're going to see something that we're going to be like, what the hell? It wasn't called. This is ridiculous, right? Everything's going to happen. And you've seen the players' emotions, right? Almost all the players understand the rulebook more than a non-existing rulebook. They have their rulebook. They understand the rulebook. They've been playing it for, you know, 10 years. So they know yep. what's, what's allowable, what's not allowable. And they even get it blown away when there's a non-call. They're like, what? What do you – you know, so it's kind of like they understand the reality. I, I don't know if the commissioner and the owner understands he needs to fix that quickly so that th- these athletes get – that deserve attention, but in a legit mode. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at the matchups, they, they have, they have the potential to be incredible matchups, incredible like playoff games that we've never seen before. But I think you and I both know that with the way that the lax rules are and the attitude we've seen from all four of these teams, it could easily be anything, but yeah. And and that's what I'm saying. It's like, do we want a TMZ like, you know, display out there, or do we want a, a legit NFL caliber, you know, uh, game? So that's really the question. Are we going with the same, like you said, a, a, a sports entertainment mentality here, or are we going to really showcase, you know, the highest level of women's football in terms of arena style? That that's the two questions that we got to kind of figure that out. But Mitchell, to me, um, I, I have to say he's disappointed me time and time and time again because he talks a big game, but he doesn't he doesn't fix it. If he fixed it, uh, a lot more uh, a lot of more fans and media like ourselves will respect that. 
He's got to fix that. And it gives, uh, it just, I think it gives a black eye to the players because it makes, makes the players sometimes look silly and it makes the players look like this is not a real game. Like you said, it's more like it's a, it's a reality TV show of some sort. And I think that's the real football fan doesn't appreciate that because of the fact that it's not real football. If they, and it is real football and they play real good football, but if the referees would get tightened up and the infractions would be more legit, then obviously people would take this way more serious, way more uh, respectful for the players as well. Yeah, they said when they changed names to legends that they wanted to be more legit and more professional and that things would change and it wouldn't borderline on gimmicky. And here we are six years after the fact, and I disappointingly can say I have not seen that yet. Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm calling out Mitchell Mortaza. I've done it before. I'll call him out again. I think he needs to – he's the one that can make the change. He's the one that can mandate. He is the one that can dictate. That's bottom line. It ends with him. And if he doesn't want to do that, that's the reason we have what we have because of the fact that he's not willing to do all that. So, you know, Mitch, if you want to be legit, if you want us to take you seriously, if you want us to take the players seriously and to really recognize the athletic talent that these individuals play on that field, then it's your job to ensure that their safety is at the utmost importance. That's really what it boils down to. Absolutely. All right, uh, Nate, um, we got Atlanta taking on Seattle. It's a very good matchup. Matheny against Dakota Hughes. The run game for Atlanta is kind of fractured in a way. Because Gore's gone. You got Ziegler gone. But they have some uh, players that have stepped up. Pulse and Tibbs on the other side. Defensively, I think they, uh, they have some, you know, some key issues on the defense. They're not as aggressive as they normally have been in the past. Uh, Seattle losing Albert is going to hurt. Um, so at this point, they have more than enough weapons. They got Randall still. Uh, they got everybody in there, Malloy and everybody else. So I think Seattle, for me, in this matchup, would be that they get the edge for me in terms of the, op- uh, the, the team that could beat Atlanta. Yeah, Seattle gets the edge for me not only because of the – the, the laundry list there, but also just because of the fact that we saw um, we've seen in the, I think it's the last two matchups they've seen each other um, that Atlanta has um, kind of had Seattle's number, and um, I think at this point I think it's safe to say that Seattle would like retribution. I don't think they'd, they'd mm-hmm. like it any better than in the playoffs and disrupt Atlanta's hopes of getting to a um, Chicago-less championship. <laughs> yeah. And I think Dakota has to prove that she can get the monkey off her back, and she has to prove it this year. Otherwise, it's really hard to beat Matheny, especially when she gets going and the amount of weapons she's got. So there's a, there's a plus on that side. Um, L.A. really needs to really work through this. It uh, looks like Salerno, from what I heard on Instagram, looks like she's going to be ready on the 24th. This is a clash against Miss, uh, Michelle Angel. So round two between these two quarterbacks. Um, Del Harris, always the impactful player that she is. you got Mariah Lopez, the up-and-coming running back. Um, there's some issues on defense in terms of the temptation. Uh, there's issues also on defense in terms of the, uh, the acoustic. Offensively, both teams have been pretty much neck and neck. 
So this is going to be a tough one to call. I really think if Los Angeles is going to step up here, the run game is going to be their key. Yeah, I think um, I think it also it, I mean also comes down to the coaching staff. You've got Mike Oliveira on one side and his coaching staff for returning from a um, a very successful run last year and coming very close to a title that went to Chicago. And then you've got LA on the other side with an entirely new coaching staff, which at the, the, at the beginning of the year, I think we, um, we kind of saw as, you know, who are these guys? I don't think they really have a chance. We saw the, the, the discombobulation in the, the first couple of games they had. Um, so I think it, it, it comes down to um, execution on the field as much as it does in the the playbook. This is Mike's chance to um, open it up, let it loose, and um, get um, get off the back to picks, where they want to be. Nate, if he picks up if he picks up Garza, that will be a difference maker. If Garza goes to Austin, uh, we will see a difference maker, and LA really. I said LA LA is going to have to really prove that this is what they want. They want to go back to Legends Cup. It is Salerno's game to lose, technically. In my yep. eyes, it is Salerno's game to lose. She's got to stand out. She's got to show that she's she's back to form it, like she was in 2012. So it's really LA's game to lose because we know what Austin's going to bring, and we know what they are inspiring for. But LA hasn't been to the Legends Cup you know, for a while. And this is literally, if they want to make a statement, this is the game they got to make a statement on. Well, if Austin, like, like I said, if Austin gets Garza, it's, it's all but done. Um, but Salerno needs to, needs to play like the, the Salerno of, of um, the rookie year and just come out swinging like the, the snake that everybody remembers her as. If not, then mm-hmm. yeah, it's LA's game to lose all the way around and actually right now thinking about it and thinking about all those scenarios, there's really a, not a winning scenario. They're in a no win situation at this point. Yeah. All right, Nate, thank you for coming in. Uh, look forward to next week. If you can make it, uh, we will be talking October. I mean, August 24th is the, the next, uh, you know, playoff mode for them. And it's going to be the at Toyota arena in Ontario. It is uh, the Seattle miss taking on the Atlanta Steam, Dakota Hughes against KK Matheny. We got Michelle Angel on the Austin Acoustic with Crystal Harris taking on the Ashley Salerno and Mariah Lopez. So it's going to be an exciting matchup on August 24th in Ontario. And we just kind of dissected that this week. So next week we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that. And as we get closer to August 24th, which is not that far away, two weeks away from now, and we will see – Who's going to go to Legends Cup? Uh, so if we look at what we talked about right now, it looks like Seattle, either going to be Seattle-Austin or it's going to be a Seattle-Los Angeles uh, Legends Cup, which either or we're looking at Matheny um, or um, Michelle Angel or we're looking at uh, Matheny and Salerno. And I know Atlanta's listening, and they're probably going, hey, they're not even picking us. We're the underdog. We're, okay, all I'm saying is their track record doesn't show us that they're able to get over the hump. So Atlanta has got to prove they got to get over the hump against the biggest and the best all-star team ever combined (laughs) and against Michelson. So Atlanta really 
is the underdog out of all four of them, pretty much. It's gonna be uh, gonna be a wild ride, but uh, we should be seeing some matchups that uh, we could have only dreamed of in the original Eastern Western Conference Championship layout. All right, Nate, thank you very much. Uh, safe uh, travels out in Seattle, and uh, looking forward to, like I said, August 24th as Legends Football League playoffs start, and it's going to be L.A. Uh, LA versus uh, Austin, Seattle versus Atlanta. We'll look forward to that as well. Thank you for coming in. I really appreciate your insights and all your information, and I uh, look forward to getting excited for the playoffs. Thank you. I'm just as excited. Always a pleasure to be on. Have a great night, Nate. You too. All right, guys, that's uh, Nate Ward, our LFL insider, and he is excited for Ontario at Toyota Arena, and that's going to be August 24th as the Legends Football League playoffs begin. Interesting twist. We have two players that you can basically draft or bring in from any other team that is not in the playoffs, so that's going to be pretty interesting to see who shows up where in terms of L.A., Austin, Atlanta, or Seattle. So we'll keep tabs on that as well. So we'll look at looking forward to that. Uh, so let's t- touch into the international scene. This week, don't miss it. Tomorrow, continuing coverage of the Euro Women's Tournament, August 12th through the 17th in Leeds, U.K. Uh, thanks to uh, America, uh, AFI, American Football International, double coverage, one-side productions, and IFAB Media, and if you want to cover everything, if you want to watch everything, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauty. We've got all the links there going on. You go to Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. Twitter, uh, the number one Twitter source for Women's American Football News daily, and that is at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter. Very proud of that. And then we also have the Mexican Women's Open Tournament happening this week in Monterey, Mexico, August 15th through the 18th. And we have networking partners, Maximo Avance and Tercer Cuarto, who will have everything covered there. And we will be uh, sharing and posting all the action that is happening. Four groups, 23 uh, teams selected out of Mexico, the biggest tournament in uh, the uh, Women's Federation in Mexico. And this is going to be showcased on the 15th through the 18th. So awesome. It's going to happen August 30th. Uh, I'm sorry, August 24th, we talked about the Legends Football League playoffs. Then August 30th, we have WFA Team United versus MIFA Canada at the Global uh, Global Games. That's going to be August 30th through September 15th. And that's going to be, uh, I'm sorry, September 1st, August 30th through September 1st. And that's going to be in Canada. So MIFA Canada taking on WFA Team United. We're also going to have uh, uh, in September... AFVD Ladies Bowl, September 21st in Germany. The action this weekend, we will get updates from our sources in Germany. And there was Berlin Cobras taking on Kill Baltic Hurricanes. Hamburg Amazons taking on the Berlin Knights. And the Munich Rangers taking on Stuttgart uh, Scorpions. So we'll get updates there. We do have matchups. Uh, one matchup coming up this weekend, and that is the Munich Cowboys taking on the Stuttgart Scorpions. We'll also get details there as well. So as we get it into it, and we're getting excited for the Finland semifinals as soon as the Euro Women's Championships are over. The uh, semifinals in Finland are going to take place, and that will be the Wolverine, Wolverines taking on Kopio Steelers, Turku Trojans taking on the Valkyries of uh, St. Petersburg, and that's going to be pretty awesome there. 
So thanks to uh, Coach uh, Soho, Chanel Soho, Tillman Brooks for coming in today, as well as filmmaker Sean uh, Pamphillan and uh, the Playing with the Rage documentary. Uh, we also thanks to uh, Bryant uh, Sewell of the WNFC CEO coming in here to kind of talk WNFC. And then, of course, uh, can't uh, say enough, LFL insider Nate Ward. I really appreciate him coming on to kind of give us a perspective on that as well. And to Louise Bean for coming in to give us also some time. So big show today, Gridiron Blitz 286. Make sure you share it. Make sure you uh, go to the podcast on any platform, whether it be TuneIn, PlayerFM, Cast, Apple Podcasts, or on the biggest platform, which is iHeartRadio. And as always here on Black Talk Radio. So check it out and share it and kind of post it up and talk about it. Um, if you want to leave a review, we have a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave reviews on any of the, uh, basically any platform as well. So we really appreciate that. And if you haven't gone to the hub, uh, go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. We've got uh, plenty of stuff going on there at the hub. So we got uh, key stories there, uh, more stuff from uh, – the Sandy Journal on the Utah Girls Football League as well. We'll have full coverage of the WEC Leeds 2019 Day 2. We have replays already there from Day 1, Sweden, 9-6 over Great Britain. Really a big upset there. Uh, and then you had replays on Finland, 50-0 to over Austria. We also have highlights from the first tryouts that happened on August 10th by the uh, WFLA. And, so, and then we have a great video. That was uh, we shared over from American Football Events from the Virginia Beach event um, by Steve Weed. So check it out at the Hub, Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties, and you get everything that's happening in the women's game there as well. So if you want to go to the Dazzle um, Shop at the No Joke Football Shop, uh, you can go there and save up to 20% off. Uses the codes there daily. Check it out and get the traditional black, silver, and black t-shirt says no joke football and that's what your game is and if you're a woman's athlete that is what you play no joke football so thanks for all the guests to come up today two hours of jam pack we'll be talking nfl preseason as we go into next week as well and then we'll also be talking gridiron australia as we get into another week or two and down under as well and then finishing up in germany as the playoffs start to finish there as well so for the absent uh troy wilson mackenzie brooks Holly Custis, and for Luis Bean, Oscar Lopez saying catch you for 287 next week as we talk more Women's American Football plus NFL preseason. Have a great night, everybody.